Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, 9 a.m. How's everyone doing today? Are you doing well? Yeah, all your beautiful faces. Y'all guys all look great today. I got a great word to share with you today. My heart is full, and I hope that you are ready to receive it today. I hope that you're uh, uh, eager and ready, but even if you're not, I want to just still be able to bless you today with this word that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying is important for every single person from the front to the back. This can be a lifelong sermon that we can apply to our lives, regardless of where we're at in our journey with God. I'm going to be sharing out of the story of Abraham today. How many of y'all have your Bibles? Let me see it. Lift it off the air. Let me see them. Perfect. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. And open up to Genesis chapter 12. This is our last week in the Here For It series. First week, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. Last week, we talked about... Uh, them sailing in the storm right after the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, we're not doing what, we're not going to talk about what they did when they landed. That's for you to be able to read in Mark chapter 6. But I really felt like we need to talk about Abraham today. Week one, we talked about the power of someone who is available. And I had my little girl show up with five loaves and two fish and what God can do through an available person. But also the 12 disciples, once they had all that bread, that there's more than enough to go around and God's just looking for people to be able to distribute it. And then last week, uh, it was just actually first week, sorry, it was about ordinary people. And then last week is just about being available. And available sometimes looks like you got to keep going against the wind and straining against the wind and staying consistent and persistent. And today I really want to talk about what it means to be extraordinary. And uh, how to be extraordinary. And I I can't help but think of a better person to talk about than my man Abraham. And so in Abraham, he is considered the father of the faith. We first hear about him towards the end of Genesis chapter 11. uh, But in Genesis chapter 12, we hear about his calling. Where God calls him from his home to go to the land that I will show you. And so we start in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abram, this was before he renamed him to Abraham. So his name was Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's a difficult task already in itself. At that time, it said, Leave everything you've ever known and go to someplace you've never been. That's basically what God's telling him. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. This is kind of contrary to most people that may look at God as if he doesn't really even care about you. No, he does care about you. He's right now, he's talking to Abraham that he says, I will make your name great. So we're not going to get into that, but that's just a little bit of an example uh, that God wants to partner with his people. He said, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went 
as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and that was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. That's where he was. He took his, Sarah, his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that had, they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Today, I want to talk to you on this idea, how to be extraordinary. We are, as a church, we are going to be an ordinary people available for God to do the extraordinary through. And I want to be able to share with you on that idea, how do we be extraordinary? And we're going to look at the life of Abram, Abraham and uh, see how he was extraordinary. And I pray that uh, you'll be able to walk away today with some great next steps on how this can be applicable to each and every single one of your lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth. So I pray that we would not get distracted from a worldly standpoint on what it means to be extraordinary, that we would not have our eyes in the, in the glamour and the, the, the glimmer of the spotlight, God, that we actually miss what you're trying to do in and through us today. God, I pray for every single person in here today that if they have disqualified themselves for what you have qualified them for, God, I pray that the lies of the enemy would be silenced in Jesus' name, that they would be able to hear the truth of your word today, God, and they would be able to hear the voice of a father saying how much you love them and how you have called them, and if they're still breathing and if they're not dead, you're not done, and you're still moving in their lives even to this day. And right now, church, I believe God has a word for you. So if you're ready to receive it, say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God today. Come on. Come on. I got a lot of stuff to be able to share with you today. And so it's, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I'm going to cut out even as I'm talking to you. I feel like the Holy Spirit's like, you're not going to talk about that, and you're not going to talk about that. So this could also be very quick, but it could also be very long. It all depends on your receptability. And so I want you to be able to be open to receive what God has for you today. If you're open and you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. That was convincing today. So God has extraordinary works for you, prepared for you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God wants to do extraordinary things in and through you? Do you believe it? Ephesians 2.10 says that for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, which means that God has already prepared for them. The question is, are we going to walk in them? God has already prepared them for us. Are we going to walk in them? God has it ready. Are we going to be available for God to do the extraordinary through? Prepared in advance because God has a plan. His plan is that his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven, that he would establish his ecclesia, his church, his governing body, his body of believers here on earth, that he who reigns in heaven would reign also on earth, really that his kingdom would come here on earth. And he's looking for you to bring that kingdom to earth. That's what his plan is. It's his plan A. There's no plan B. There's no, well, if that doesn't work, I wonder what I'm going to do. 
Some people believe, and some theologians believe, that the reason why the Lord tarries is because the church hasn't woken up yet. Don't necessarily know if I subscribe to that because it's not for us to know the dates or times. What we are called to do is live faithfully here on earth while we can. So if we're trying to usher in the kingdom of God by our obedience, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Is it a possibility? Maybe. But God is interested in establishing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. There's a bigger plan than just Abraham. Abraham, although he was the father of the faith, he's considered the father of the faith. Abraham played a part in God's greater plan. Jesus says in John chapter 8, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Which means that he was before, he existed before Abraham, which means God's ways were higher before Abraham's ways. God's plan was in existence before Abraham was ever called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, before Abraham ever even left Haran to go to Canaan. God had a plan in place. He was just looking for someone to do something extraordinary through. So we see Abraham was a part of the bigger story that God was bringing to pass. Can I tell you that Abraham was extraordinary, not because he was gifted or talented, but because he was available. He was a person that was obedient to God. Sometimes it is uncomfortable to leave the land that you're in to go to the land that I'll show you. Can I tell you, even reluctance obedience is better than idleness. Reluctant obedience is better than idleness. When God spoke to Peter, he said, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he said, go out, throw your nets, and you'll have a great catch. He says, Jesus, well, we fished all night, but nevertheless, we'll do what we t- you told us to do. And the Bible says that he threw out the net, which implies that he was reluctant to clean more than one net after he caught nothing. But it was the obedience that led to the great catch. It wasn't Peter's ability, but it was his availability. It was a person who was reluctant, but still obedient. Abraham left. He was reluctant, but still obedient. It wasn't about his occupation. It wasn't about what he was doing. And we need to take this home today is that extraordinary is not about our occupation. It is not about our title. It is not about our position. It is not about one day when, then I will arrive. Can I tell you, God can use you right here, right now. It is not about a title or position or an occupation. Being extraordinary is about understanding the significance of the role you play right now. And the responsibility that you have been entrusted with right now. Can I speak to the dads in here today? Extraordinary isn't always about getting the next promotion. It's not always about making the next 10 grand, 100 grand, 150 grand, 500 grand. Sometimes what your kids need is not money to buy a car or a new bike, but sometimes they just need a dad. Mom's in the room here. What you do is, is significant. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is a full-time job in itself. But even in addition to that, society does put on some expectations that are beyond. Sometimes it is beyond what... A normal person could be able to handle on their own. Do the laundry, cook the food, take care of the home, put the kids to bed, and get up in the middle of the night because I need my beauty rest, said every husband. (laughs) But there are some expectations put on 
through society, whether you subscribe to those or not, that's in your, that's not where we're getting into today. But can I tell you that your role that you play, regardless of where it is, is significant. If you're the breadwinner, it is a significant role. If you're taking care of the family and the kids, it is a significant role. And being extraordinary isn't necessarily achieving something, but it is realizing the extraordinary potential that you have to make with what you have in your hand right now. In other words, it's not one day win. But can I tell you, extraordinary is available to you right now. It is extraordinary because of the eternal impact that you can make right now. Every other job comes and goes. Money comes and goes. You get it, you spend it. You don't get to take it with you. As believers, we have the most important job in the world. It's not about how much money we can make or how much we can accumulate houses, cars, etc. But it's how many people we can rob from hell and bring into heaven in Jesus' name. We have extraordinary potential in us right here, right now. Because everything else in the world is temporal. You have the ability, if you have the availability, to transform someone's life for eternity. That's the extraordinary potential that you hold in this room right here, right now, to transform someone's life for eternity. Can I tell you, you have the opportunity every single day to be extraordinary. So let's go back to Abraham. Abraham was one extraordinary dude. The Bible refers to him throughout the entire New Testament. Jesus references him. The book of James references him about faith according to works. What is good is to have faith if you don't have works. Romans also references in Romans chapter 4, we read verse 2, that if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. But not before God. Can I tell you, your extraordinary life, if you are going to boast about something, it is not about the works that you have done, but the grace you have received. If you're going to boast about something, it's not by, by what I've done. God has graced me. God has blessed me. Because everything that I deserved, he took upon himself. And everything he deserved, he gave me. That's relationship with the Father. That's joy. That's peace. That's goodness. That's self-control. Everything that Jesus had, he gave to me. It says it's not by works, something to boast about, but not before God. He could boast, but not to God. Verse 3, it says, what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and can I tell you, that was the beginning of him living an extraordinary life. He chose to believe God. Not about him actually receiving the promise, but his belief for the promise. It wasn't about what he could do for God. No, no, no. It was about what God can do through him. And for us to be able to know what extraordinary looks like, we need to be able to write this down because we got to be able to remember it. Extraordinary is not about what you can do for God. It is about what God can do through you. Okay, so this is like one of those moments where I said that it depends on how much we receive it, that how much I have to stay, talk about it. 
Okay, extraordinary is not about what you can do for God. Can I tell you, even on your best day, you are not good before God. As much as we want to think that our relationship with God is contingent on how much we can do for God, that's not the case. It says that our righteousness is as good as filthy rags to him. Now, that doesn't mean that we throw away holy living. That's just we understand how wicked we really are and how far and destitute we really were. And so for our lives to be able to do something for God, God doesn't need us, but he chooses and desires to work through us. It's a dichotomy. God doesn't need us, but he wants and he actually refuses to do anything on earth except through people. God worked through Mary. God worked through the disciples. God even came in human form like Jesus because he chooses to work through humanity. Can I tell you that your extraordinary potential is not what and you can do for God, but it's what God can do through you. It's being able to yield over to God and saying, God, look at all these things I've done for you. No, 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 no. It's about, God, what do you want to do through me? God, what do you want to do through me? So here we see Abraham having that approach. That's what made him so extraordinary. He had the approach of saying, God, what do you want to do through me? We cannot approach God thinking, I can do all these things. God, I'm going to build this great thing for you. God, I'm going to build this great family for you. God, I'm going to do all these things for you. I think he, is, he can work with that. I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think it's important for us to know as a church that when we are looking at being available for God, what we have to give God is in no way comparable to what he wants to do through you. So the moment that you say, this is what I want to do for God, that's your limit on how he can use you. God, I want to do this. God's like, is that it? So once you do that, we're good? Because I got so much more. So are you going to put, you're going to say, well, God, I, I want to be, I want to do this for you. It's the difference between potential and pattern. Okay, Saul was king. David was a man after God's own heart. Saul had a goal. That's where he stopped. David had a pursuit, which meant that there was no limit. So for your life, not looking at it as, God, I'm going to do this for you, but God, what are you going to do through me? It's being open. That I'm not going to say anything is off limits to God. If God wants to use me in this regard, then let it be so. If God wants to use me to preach from a pulpit, then let it be so. If God wants to use you in any way, shape, or form, God, let it be so. That creates openness to what God, well, God, I'm not an evangelist. I said I was going to be a missionary, but I'm a missionary once I leave the United States. And no, you're a missionary wherever you go. It's not about actually arriving and doing something for God. It's about no matter where you go, it's whoever you are that God is more interested in. 
I'm talking about a mentality, a disposition that we are to carry more than an end destination, more than a behavior that we're supposed to have. It's a heart posture that I'm open to be able to be used by God. Okay, so let's keep going in Romans 4.16. It says, about, talking about Abraham, therefore the promise comes by faith to Abraham so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. So it's by grace. God wants to use you today by his grace. He chooses to use you. Now, just because I'm the one here in the mic doesn't mean that I'm the one being used by God and you're not. We got to be able to destroy whatever that is in this city to be able to say, well, the pastor's the one doing the will of God. No, every single person going into your workplace and into your school, you are doing the will of God wherever you're at. Whatever your hand finds to do, you're doing it for the glory of God. Can I tell you, you can make a bigger difference in your work than I can always do with this mic. I don't know the potential that you have. I don't know where God's taking you. But can I tell you, a person that remains available, the sky's the limit. A person that takes the moment in advantage of every opportunity, the sky's the limit. God, what do you want to do through me? So it says it's by grace. It may be by grace and not by the law, not by your works. So we see Abraham was extraordinary, the father of the faith. He says, God said to him that I'll make your descendants as numerous as the seas on the shore, the stars in the sky, if you can count them. But I have this question for you. When did Abraham become extraordinary? Because people have the tendency to see in hindsight. Do you think Abraham felt extraordinary the moment God called him? Do you feel extraordinary right now? When did Abraham become extraordinary? Romans 4, 17, this is the next verse, says that this, as it was, is written, God says to him, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, Paul's talking in the book of Romans. He says, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not as though they are. So when did Abraham become extraordinary? Well, let's think about this. Let's think about some other people in the Bible, okay? Elisha. Elisha was the prophet that succeeded Elijah. There are twice as many miracles. And we have the ability to look in hindsight to see that he did twice as many miracles, right? When did Elisha become extraordinary? When did David become extraordinary? Was it after he became king? Was it after he successfully handed the kingdom over to Solomon and the kingdom wasn't divided? At what point in his life was he extraordinary? At what point did Mary become extraordinary? I mean, because we could all argue that Mary, mother of Jesus, was an extraordinary human being. At what point did Elisha become extraordinary? I would argue to you today that it wasn't when he was doing the miracles, but it was actually when he was plowing the field. I would argue today that when did David become extraordinary? It wasn't when he was anointed, Samuel, Samuel anointed him to be king. It wasn't when he killed Goliath. 
It wasn't even when he actually became king 14 years later. I would argue today that he became extraordinary when he was tending the sheep. And he was developing a pattern of availability that God could use. When did Mary become extraordinary? When she said, be it done unto me. She said, God, I'm available. Whatever it takes, how can this be, God? Don't worry about that. God, how are you going to use me? Isn't that everyone's question? I just want to know how. God's saying, just be available. It's that simple. It was, okay, God, whenever I see a need, I meet a need. I don't look around. Everyone's got it all figured out. They don't need me. No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to find a need. I'm going to be the type of person that I'm going to be proactive in that. I'm going to find a need. I'm going to create an opportunity to be available. The moment that Mary came into agreement into what God wanted to do through her, not what she wanted to do for God, but what God wanted to do through her, she became extraordinary. So let me ask you, at what point was Abraham extraordinary? The Bible says that I have made you the father of many nations, a father of many nations, meaning that it was already done in God's eyes. Abraham became extraordinary, though, not when God spoke it, but when he believed it. When he believed what God spoke over him. In God's eyes, that's when he became extraordinary. David became extraordinary. Before everyone else, God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. And can I tell you, if this church is going to be full of a bunch of ordinary people available for God to do the extraordinary three, we cannot be enamored by the outward appearance that we forsake the heart, that we forsake the patterns, that I can't get in love with one day when I can be used by God, that I forget that right now, right here, right now, he wants to use me in this place, in these shoes, in this job, in this school, in this marriage, in this family, that we end up looking for one day when that we forsake right now. If we're going to be extraordinary, we got to be able to see that the pattern that we are developing right now is what God considers most important. What God has called you to do right now. Romans 4.18, against all hope, Abraham, in hoped, believed, and so became. He believed not his own ambition and what he could do for God, but he believed in what God spoke over him. It says that he believed and so he became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Can I tell you, it was already done in God's eyes. He said, I've made, past tense, not I am making, I have made you a father of many nations. That means it's already done. He's just looking for you to walk in it. So which means you need to stop striving and start trusting. 
Stop just striving to do something for God. He's like, no, no, no. This thing, I'm like, I'm, I'm shaping you into a certain type of person. So when you feel like this calling has eluded you, know that it's just preparation. So don't throw in the towel. Don't look at that as resistance as being that you walked away from the will of God. No, I was actually shaping you. And every single one of us has something that God has placed inside of us that he wants to do something extraordinary through. Have you given up on the call of God in your life? Those dead dreams? Those forsaken futures? Those canceled callings? Have you written yourself off saying, God can't use me? Look what I've done. Or God can't use me. Look how much time I've wasted. He said that to me 35 years ago. He can't use me now. Certainly he can't. Don't write off God. Some preachers say this. Don't, don't put a, a period where God puts a comma. That pause, you thought it was the end. No, it was just a pause. Because I was setting you up for the next part of the sentence. But you're just sitting there thinking God's done. And I'm here to tell you today that God's not done with you yet. That he still wants to use you. Well, God, I haven't prayed with my kids. They're 12 years old now. Well, you can start tonight. You can start today. Well, my kids, man, they're in their 30s right now. And I just had a conversation with one of our city changers before church today. Talking about one of his kids. He's like, I've been praying for him. I've been talking to him. And it felt like last night or last week, we finally got some breakthrough. Because before I was saying, hey, I'm praying for you. And he goes like, yeah, sure. But this time I said, I'm praying for you. And he said, thanks, dad. He's like, that's progress. That's progress. And if we don't learn to take gratitude for the progress that we see, what you're doing is you're cursing because you don't see the fruit and you don't understand the part that you play and that some plant, some water, but God makes it grow. And so you stopped inviting people to church because people kept saying no. But statistics say it takes eight times to talk to someone about Jesus before they actually accept Jesus. Maybe you were the one that just kept planting. Well, I'm not seeing anything happen, God. Doesn't mean you stop planting. What is in you today that you have let die? When my wife and I, we have four amazing kids. And for every single one of our kids, we go in to get an a, a ultrasound, and we see the sonogram of our baby inside, and we see them all, like, moving around. And, you know, sometimes some kids were more active than others, and you can see that even now in their life today. But you were, be, you were able to see something that was inside of her. And can I ask you, if I took a moment to put the ultrasound machine up against you and we had the sonogram on the screen, what would we see inside of your heart? Is that thing still moving? Can I tell you, if it's still in your heart, it's still beating. If it's still in you and you're still alive, it's still in you. God's saying, don't, don't give up on that just because you haven't seen it yet. Don't throw in the towel yet. Don't stop praying. Don't stop walking. And so we go, we continue in this story. This is Romans chapter 18. We're talking about against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him. 
so shall your offspring be. But then the next verse is a little confusing. Paul says, verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Do you know the story of Abraham? Because I don't think Paul does. I mean, he definitely wavered. Remember Hagar? Nishmael? Paul tends to leave that out. He didn't have a son, so Sarah said, hey, come sleep with my maid. And so Abraham was like, whatever I got to do for the Lord. And then we had Ishmael. I wonder, like, did you forget about that one, Paul? What's up with that? So I think Paul had the ability to look in hindsight and be able to see that a small bump in the road wasn't the end. I think he was able to see, yeah, that. I'm not leaving it out like because I'm trying to forget about it because everyone could read it. I'm just not saying that, was, that wasn't that as big of a deal as many people make it out to be. And for your life, can I tell you, you will get beat down. And in February, I talked about the word for the year, and I said the word of the year is stand. That when you get beat down, will you get back up again? And that's what I'm asking this church. For that thing that God has placed in your life, are you going to get back up again? Even when life beats you down? Even when you see there's no possible way of winning, are you going to get back up again? The team has a, a clip from one of my favorite movies that uh, we're going to show you right here.
You seen the movie? I find that every single one of us are going to get beat down at some point in our life. The question is, are we going to keep fighting and stay in the fight? And I think what this clip shows is that no matter how hard and how difficult it may have seemed, he still chose to get back up and keep fighting. I can't help but think that clip right at the end where he's standing by himself and he's thinking, I'm the only one here. And as a church, can I tell you that if you're choosing to stand in the thing that God has spoken over you, it's not just you alone, but God is standing with you. God is standing with you. That he's just asking you, are you going to keep believing? It says, against hope, he believed. See, I've seen Paul talking about Abraham as if he never fell, but I see Abraham falling all the time. See, I think Paul remembered and he knew it, that without a doubt, but in the grander scheme of things, Paul would have a revelation of Jesus that he found Abraham's mistake as irrelevant because Abraham did not waver in his belief in God. Even though he screwed up, he kept moving. How do you become extraordinary? You don't settle. Until your dying breath, you are believing in what God has spoken over you and your life. Abraham went to Canaan. I think Abraham was actually just fulfilling something that a generation before him gave up on. And we actually know that to be true. Right before we picked up in Genesis chapter 12, we see Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. We say Abraham's dad. His name was Terah. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Why did he go to Canaan? The Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but there's no reason you just get up and leave your land unless you feel like God's telling you to go. And we see him start moving towards Canaan, what God had called him to. It says this, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Haran is a location. It's known as the crossroads. They came to a crossroads where they had to make a decision. Do they keep going or do they settle? And I believe in your life, God's calling you. Well, it's easier just to settle, God. It's easier just to, to stay down. God, you look at all this stuff against me. I can't do this. He's like, good. Because out of your weakness, you're made strong. I think that's why Paul said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I've carried the stance that regardless of how hard it looks, I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I could have believed for more. That I'm making up my mind. I like where he straps the shield on. He goes because I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm not going to stop believing. And the Bible says, open up your eyes and see that greater is he that is with you than he who is against you. That the God of angels' armies is always on your side. And when you get up to fight, sometimes you don't need to be the one fighting because he fights his battles for you. 
Let's pick on to the next clip as we close. Don't get you pumped up. I don't know what will. Hey, would you stand to your feet as we close today? What I want you to know is that when you choose to stand, you're not standing alone. In fact, you are never going to stand alone. Because even if you're the only one standing in a field full of lentils, it doesn't matter because even though God is with you, nothing can stand against you. And he'll say, if one fights, I'll send a thousand to flight. When two fight, 10,000 to flight. Because the Lord their God has delivered them. God has sent them a running. And for you, God's just looking for one person. It says, I search for a person to stand in the gap on behalf of the city so I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I found none. And I can't help but think that God wants to do something extraordinary through you. He's just wondering, are you going to continue to stand? And I want to read through you to you Hebrews chapter 11 about what it means to keep on standing. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. 
By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah was warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Here's our guy, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him as the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had promised him. And so from this one man, him as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country, not of their own. If they didn't think of their own country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Fast forward to verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received bad dead back to life. Again, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They were mistreated in deserts and wandered in mountains and in caves and holes and grounds. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us and them, they would receive and be made perfect. But here's the catch right here. This is where he has. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Can I tell you, God is looking for a people who will stand for him. God is looking for a people that even if they don't see it, they're going to die in faith. They're going to stand in faith. Are you ready to stand today? Church, come on, lift up your hands. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.